Before the episode starts, I wanted to issue a quick correction. Uh, in the last episode, I mentioned that the Blue Mage um, basically existed only in Final Fantasy V and never made it into any of the subsequent games. That is absolutely not true. Uh, there was a listener on Twitter, Bill Runesville. I hope I got your name right, that it's Runesville, not Rounds. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but thank you for pointing this out. Uh, it turns out that the blue mage existed or that ability existed in some form or fashion in like five six seven other games um that's basically it you're gonna hear in the some of the future episodes uh where i i'll mention it again that oh blue mage only exists in final fantasy 5 just completely disregard that and listen to this correction specifically but without further ado you know just go enjoy the episode hello and welcome to yak podcast the yet another final fantasy podcast uh, this is Season 5, Episode 2. We're covering Final Fantasy V. I tried to keep the numbering of the seasons to the numbering of the games. Uh, so that means that <laughs> Season 7, 8, 9, yeah, those are going to be very long seasons. I should probably start thinking about what I'm going to do about that. Uh, so let, let's recap real quick. Last episode, we got acquainted with our heroes. We met Lena, who seems to be kind of the protagonist of the story. It's not the character that we directly control. I feel, but she is the character that uh, starts off the story. We meet Galef, an old man, and we meet uh, Bartz, who is our protagonist. Uh, he's the one that he we really actually control, which is interesting, by the way, uh, just story-wise, that um, the character we're controlling is not the main character. And I have a feeling, and one of my first predictions, I should really start doing these more often, is that we're that's going to be subverted in some way, that Bartz ends up being the true real main hero of the story and it's going to be weird and maybe there'll be lunar people like in final fantasy 4 no i can't i can't see that but we'll see uh, but yeah we got acquainted with the characters they went to the wind shrine uh and in the wind shrine we uh defeated our first boss the wing raptor and then the wind crystal uh it was shattered and uh it, it created uh i guess converted our characters into the warriors of light which is a recurring theme in final fantasy games so far um that the main characters especially well not especially only when there are crystals involved they are you know kind of bestowed this power and they're called the warriors of light and so it's kind of interesting that you know it's just such a recurring theme uh but we're told by king tycoon that we must protect uh the other three crystals uh we're granted the the wind wind crystal sh uh, fragments gravitate toward us and gives up give us all kinds of jobs uh, they allow us to basically pick a class for our characters and grow into it uh, which is interesting again like you know I, I tried to think about these games in terms of plot and lore and things like that and a lot of times the main characters in uh, these games uh, weren't special or maybe they were special but they didn't have these like wild special powers prior to meeting the the wind crystal which that that happened in final fantasy 3 as well we we met the quote-unquote met the wind crystal and it granted us our jobs and it granted us all the classes in final fantasy 3 in final fantasy 4 i guess yeah i guess final fantasy 4 didn't do okay so maybe it's just like two games that this happened in uh what happened in the first one right i don't even remember anymore because we're so far already anyway so that was kind of it like we got the we got the jobs we you know saw the the, the wind crystal and now it's time to continue the story uh, of you know what happened in episode two uh, i did kind of skip around a little bit um and didn't follow the the guide exactly uh so the strategy wiki that i've used since season one um 
I find that I need to use it less and less. These games are fairly, fairly predictable. And because of the fact that they're fairly predictable, I don't really need to refer to a guidebook anymore. And that was a big goal of, uh, you know, starting this podcast was just the ability to uh, be able to play these games and enjoy them and not feel so intimidated by them and have this anxiety that I'm going to get lost. Because it is easy to get lost in these games if you're not used to how these things work. Um, So... It is going to be our first visit to Tool, which is our first like little village that we get to see. Um, in the strategy wiki, we would have visited it uh, prior to the Wind Shrine and then gone to the Wind Shrine and then come back. Didn't do that, obviously. So we go to Tool. Um, the pirates disembark with us, and it's basically shore leave for them. Uh, inside of the town, uh, Ferris kind of runs off. She just says, uh, or he... <sighs> okay, I want to clear something up with these pronouns. Okay, I it, it's important to me that I get the pronouns correctly. And I've been switching between he and she for Ferris. And we'll see at the end of this episode <laughs> uh, what it is. Okay, so anyway, so we, we make it to Tool and Ferris leaves. And I'm going to use the they, them pronouns since I guess we never were explicitly told the gender of this character nor their pronouns so they disappear and uh, along with the pirates and then we have Bart's Galef and Lena alone and walking around the town essentially uh, the graphics of this game look really pretty like the the colors are really pretty and the town feels a little bit dynamic so there are these like two towers I want to say or two uh, buildings and they connect above uh, so you kind of like have to walk under this arch inside of the town. It's just very pretty architecture. And I'm really glad that Final Fantasy games are like continuing with this trend of improving the town experience. Like that they, they're not just a few buildings next to each other, but they have unique architecture. Uh, I want to say like some ga- some games, especially like the, you know, I'm a huge fan of Pokemon. So like Pokemon JRPG games, I love them. And sometimes it's just like a reskin of a different town and it looks exactly the same you have a bunch of rectangles and that's the town especially like i think in emerald and that kind of takes away from it whereas like let's say in the first pokemon game uh was it violet town or whatever the name of it was (laughs) uh pokemon fans are gonna hate me for this but uh you know they had a big tower um in the Kanto region and um and that added something special to, to that town. So this town felt already special. It had a lake right next to it as well, which we couldn't see from within the town, which is a bummer. I, I thought it would have been really cool if we had at least a glimpse of the lake that's on the overworld uh, in the in the zoomed-in version. Uh, other than that, uh, there's a brand new edition of Greenhorn's Club. Uh, it's kind of like a tutorial and intro to the game. Uh, you walk in there, there are a bunch of wizards, and they kind of walk you through... Um, all the different things you can do in the game, how to use the controls and everything. And uh, I, I haven't mentioned this before, but I'm playing the GBA version. So it's possible that this is an addition in the GBA, but I, I don't I don't think so. I can't imagine that the SNES version didn't have this. Uh, and there is even a little intro into like how to spot secret passages. So if you kind of like walk around, there's a really easy secret to open a chest that's being guarded by other people. That kind of hint at the fact that like you have to figure out a different way of, of getting in there. Um, and that's that's nice because it introduces the, the concept of like the secret passages where you just walk against the wall and you walk through it. Um, following in the footsteps of Final Fantasy IV and um, at least the 
remake of three where instead of like pressing certain buttons or doing anything special you just walk into something and you walk through it and you're in a you know special area uh, whenever we enter like a, a shop with shields or uh, swords or magic or anything like that ferris randomly shows up and, and and they ask you know hey you know like buy me weapons or buy me a shield you know don't forget about me uh, and then they disappear as soon as we're done interacting with the shopkeeper which is a really funny addition um, i want to say that the characters are really animated too they get like the big eyes like the big surprise eyes when something happens um and it reminds me of the the I, I think there's an identical animation in chrono trigger uh so it was really kind of cute uh when we make it to the bar there are dancers in there again uh does that sound familiar there yeah that, that seems to be a fi final fantasy thing and I have yet to come across anybody on YouTube or in a podcast explaining why dancers were so prevalent in these games. If I remember correctly, I think it was three where there were like, um, there was a, like a quote unquote gentleman's club or was it four maybe where they did that? And it just, it felt really awkward and I don't really understand it. It makes it into like a, a more adult game unnecessarily. And it's a, it's a little bit of like a... A little bit of a sexist move to have these exposed dancers and you know kind of follow the stereotypes of being silly and I don't I don't know I don't know maybe I'm reading too much into it but I, I wonder if you know a certain demographic would feel uh, uncomfortable playing this game or, or you know see that as a kind of a deterrent deterrent um, which I guess for me, it, it is a little bit of a deterrent. That would be like, the reason I'm even talking about it is because, <laughs> you know, that it, it bothered me quite a bit. Um, other than that, uh, I found out one new thing, and that is that you can buy a spell and it's usable by the entire party. So you don't need to buy like four copies of everything. And I wonder if that's because um, it would kind of like make sense to buy four copies or five copies of every single spell every single time. And it kind of defeats the purpose of like, picking and choosing who gets which spells. And so in this case, you don't have to pick and choose. It's whatever caster uh, is available. Um, I picked the classes at this point for my characters because I was buying weapons and stuff. Um, you might hear some weird crinkling and stuff in the background. My dog decided to just kind of wander around. I don't know why. Uh, anyways, so I pick, picked the classes. I believe that I made Bart's the warrior. Galef is, I think, white mage. Um, Lena is a dark mage, and Ferris is a thief. Am I missing anybody? No, no, those are that's our party four people, um, and I feel like that's a good kind of mashup. That is the mashup that I like. The those are the characters. Those are the classes that I usually default to if I don't know any better yet. Um, mostly because that's what I did in season one. So if you go back to and listen to season one, I went with, you know, warrior thief like the equivalent classes that were available uh in one two three and four you know just i would always go with the the basics there then i have the characters try to actually approach ferris so she's on the second floor i think above the bar i think and when whenever i try to like talk to her um i think at first uh both galif and bart's uh, went into Ferris's room, and this is where I think this is where the pronoun stuff like starts make you know, starts being kind of, I don't know, little 
Yeah, this is this is where it gets a little bit confusing. So I had assumed that this character's pronouns are she/her. The the portrait looked like a what an RPG would use for a stereotypical uh, naval woman, like a, a woman uh, that that was um, a captain of a ship. And the characters, I guess, assumed that Ferris was a man. And it gets confusing because uh, Bart's and Galef like walk. Uh, I think Bart's first walks in to sit to wake up Ferris. And Ferris, like, moves over or something like that, and then the character gets, like, a heart above their head or something like that, and they walk out all embarrassed. And then Galef does the same thing. And just a heads up, Galef is an older man, which makes it really weird. So Galef, as an older man, <laughs> goes to see Ferris and walks out the same way, like, all embarrassed and stuff. And they don't explain, you know, what exactly happened, and they don't explain to Lena who didn't walk in and I'm assuming this is this is like my my assumption this is a game in the early 90s that um Lena thought that Ferris was a man and so she wouldn't walk into his room to wake him up and then both Galef and Bartz uh went to wake up Ferris but maybe realized that he was a woman or perhaps that maybe <laughs> maybe they thought he was a pretty man um, like, I want to take the LGBTQ, you know, first, <laughs> like, approach to this and just be like, oh, yeah, that this is totally gay. But um, later on in the in, in the episode, like, they finally reveal, you know, what's going on there, um, that Ferris is a woman. So spoiler alert. Um, and we'll 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 see why uh, she concealed her gender. And I think it's kind of straightforward, like, you know, medieval times, woman trying to lead men um in fantasy we usually see that as like you know all right well you know either they're not going to listen or she needs to pretend to be a man because of a sexist society right so that's that's basically what probably happened there if we walk all the way to the north of the town we'll get to zock's house uh zock is the original builder of the torna canals um and that everyone has been like kind of talking about in the town and uh, i don't really like those are just like there's just a canal somewhere <laughs> they didn't really explain like where it leads to um but it's it's there uh and then zock uh zock basically lets us stay the night uh during the night we see bart's like gets out of the bed and goes for a midnight stroll and says that um you know the crystals are the reason why his dad dot 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 so we get a little bit of a you know exposition about his character we flash back to childhood and we see stella which is i think bart's mom and his dad are saying that bart should never know about the crystals they're being all sus about it um and then that's kind of it that's the end of the the flashback uh we also see lena murmuring uh in her sleep that she'll protect the crystals that she promises her father i'll protect the crystals um and then there's like uh, I, I'll be honest, I left a note here, but I'm like, and, and but I didn't um, expand on it, I don't remember the exact thing, like, that prompted me to think this, but I my thinking is that Lena and Ferris are siblings. They have to, like, it, it totally makes sense to me that they're siblings because of the, the pendant, um, you know, King Tycoon, there, were, there are always, like, some things in discussions that make made me believe that they're siblings and that's what i think is happening and then zock gives bart's gives us um uh the key to the canal uh, and he wants us to protect lena so again like we bart's is the main character that we follow around but not the main character of the story and i'm really enjoying that 
As we start to leave uh, the town, Ferris leaves the pirates behind, and they basically just have extended shore leave, so to speak. Uh, and then we get on our ship, and it's time for us to go to the canal. Uh, we get a ship sequence. Uh, Lena tells Bart about the crystals, that all the wind will stop uh, completely eventually. Uh, and because the wind crystal shattered, because of the wind, uh, because the wind crystal shattered, uh, then air will become stagnant and everything, like birds will not be able to fly or something like that. And essentially everybody will die. Um, and we need to protect all of the crystals because like, well, we got the stagnant air and everything, but if the water crystal gets shattered or gets destroyed, then the seas would be dirty, which again, it kind of doesn't, I mean, it's a, is the wind crystal an air filter and is the <laughs> fire, uh, not the fire, the, the um, water crystal a water filter? Uh, then we have the, the, the fire crystal, which basically fires would lose heat and we would lo lose light. And, you know, the world would become dark and cold and just inhospitable. Uh, Galef, you know, reaffirms that he wants to protect the crystals too, but it's not like a memory thing, just like wants to help. Uh, Ferris joins too. She says like she wants to uh, find King Tycoon, and I believe this is actually when we find out. Um, I I wrote this note again, and I don't remember if this is when the reveal was. There was one point, but again, like <laughs> Ferris and Lena, they must be siblings, right? And I don't know the details of it, and I don't think they revealed it fully here. And yeah, actually, we'll see it at the end. Uh, then Lena asks Bart if he'll join, um, and and yeah, and he joins. Uh, he says that they were given the power of the wind crystal through the shards, and that's 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 what's gonna happen. Um, they go toward the canal, and then we find ourselves by a huge uh, stopped by a huge gate. Um, and as we like approach, we see like Bart jump up on the top of the ship, and there's like there's like that pointy part at the front of the ship, you know. And he like walks on it to go unlock it. I'm just like imagining this small door lock on this enormous, you know, gate uh, guarding the the canal. We go in there. The canal looks really nice. Like this again, another place where we see the the graphics of SNES really shine. We navigate through it. It just it it's it really makes you feel immersed. Like this is peak, you know, um, pixel art. And I'm playing the GBA version, so it's a little bit different. I get it. Um, but yeah, and, and then we get into a whirlpool the, it appears it's really familiar and I'm like, okay, this is going to be, um, not Bahamut, Behemoth, no, Leviathan. I'm thinking this is going to be Leviathan, but the ship gets, uh, the ship gets stuck in the whirlpool and we find a fight against Carlobus, uh, which is, I guess, a boss of this, uh, of this area, but the whirlpool doesn't stop even after we win. I remember that this was a pretty easy fight. And then Sildra gets stuck in the whirlpool and the ship goes free. And then Sildra sinks. Sildra being the monster that lives under the ship that let us actually like move around with the ship because the wind is basically dying down. Um, and Sildra being, I think Ferris called Sildra her or their, spoiler alert, their sibling. So really, really big deal. Um, again, they use the pronouns he, him. I have it here in the notes. <laughs> um, but then, you know, the night falls. And so Sildra didn't get rescued. Sildra went underwater, gone. Um, we see the, the characters all try to comfort Ferris during the night, but it doesn't really, like, help. 
it's kind of a sad moment. This is like the first loss, and it was a little bit unexpected. I hope Sildra comes back, or I, I expect Sildra will come back, because we need to learn more about Sildra's story and who they are and how they came to know um, Ferris. But it's also totally possible that that's not going to happen, because, you know, these... Uh, games sometimes kill off characters and we learn about them later or they come back in a weird way later or they're a ghost or they're just in a flashback and maybe it just doesn't matter whatsoever. The ship slowly coasts over to the ship graveyard where all these like dead ships reside and they're all connected and it's kind of funny because you have ships and you have like the broke broken um, masts is that what they're called the little you have, you have broken down ships that like connect together with the that connect together with the broken parts. Uh, we get to like walk around. Uh, we have you know, we run across monsters that are basically like dead uh, navy officers or like dead pirates. Um, there's skeletons everywhere, and then we walk into a uh, a ship, and we actually can go inside of the ship, which is pretty cool, and it's haunted inside, um, and then we see like this section that's underwater and this is a really confusing part and i'm not, I'm not sure if i if it's just the graphics or what but it looked like we were diving underwater and walking around underwater inside of the ship but we're walking around for quite a while so like was that supposed to be basically like five minutes of running around even though it took me like 20 minutes to get across this section you know, so we walk into water. Ferris is afraid of the water, but we go. The ships are deep, like several levels deep, which is ridiculous. And I don't know. Um, then we like walk out of the, out of the water. Did we walk out of the water? I think we did. And there was a section of the ship where we could go to sleep. And Lena goes to change in a separate room for some reason. Bart starts a fire. And then, uh, then we have the oh, here's where we have the big reveal that Ferris is a woman. So Galef and Bart's, uh, you know, they talk to Ferris and uh, whatever, you know. And then Lena comes back and unmasks Ferris, and Ferris is a woman. Um, she tells them that she was she was took in by pirates when she was young, so she had to uh, be, she had to pretend to be a man in order to be okay. She I think she she basically made like this illusion of like, you know, would you want to be the only woman on a ship full of men um who are like much bigger than you or whatever and that just seemed so ominous and very adult, you know? Like these games are getting some kind of grit over time. <laughs> um which is kind of interesting and it 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 puts a different like spin on the on the story. And then Galef immediately hits on her. And it's really creepy because the Galef is a much, much older man from what we see. And after that exchange between them, uh, they go to sleep. There are conveniently four beds in this, like, dry section of the ship. And, uh, yeah, the characters go to sleep there. They wake up the next day. And the changing room where Elena was before, I went to go check it out. And there is, like, a magical circle, like a safe point where you, a safe point where you can save. Uh, so, um, yeah, that's kind of cool. The ship really feels <laughs> enormous, way bigger than it should be. Um, but that's kind of interesting. And I guess you're kind of like going through maybe multiple wreckages, even though it's not very apparent that that, that that's what might be happening. Um, and then, you know, we uh, we end up going to getting out of the, the, the ship. And there's a, you know, we get to kind of go around. We open a chest and the whole ship appears. Um, we... Then, so the, the characters jump on these, like, rocks between ships, so it's not just wreckage, uh, it's not just wreckage that you can kind of walk on, but there are these rocks that you can jump around, 
Um, and Bart makes some kind of pun. I can't remember what. I should have written it down because that would would have been amazing. Um, and then we get out of the graveyard and we actually make it toward an island. So just kind of to recap, right? Like our ship uh, went adrift. Uh, we got out. Uh, Bart's and you know company. Uh, we went down through a uh, one of the ships in the graveyard. Uh, in the ship graveyard. Um, we got out in a different spot. We raised the ship so that we were able to hop around on uh, various. Um, we we were able to like hop around on various like rocks and finally get to an island. Um, as soon as we get there, kind of this cutscene takes over. We see K King Tycoon appear, and that's when Lena and Ferris move toward uh, toward him, and it's very visible that yeah, they're just I mean, they're siblings, right? Um, and then uh, Stella, Bart's mom, appears and Bart's moves toward her. And they're all kind of like under the spell. And then some little girl shows up and she calls after Galeth and says, and calls her calls him her grandfather. But he doesn't remember her. So he's the only one who's like, I don't know who you are. I'm not going to move toward you. You're like not going to ensnare me this way. So I'm guessing that they see like the, 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 the loved ones that have passed away um, or that they're missing or they're far away. And they see them and they kind of get like into this enchanted mode and and you know they get stuck there and that's when we see their souls like exit out of their bodies like these little flames um and we see the siren the siren is the boss and the siren was the one who lured them to the island and to these apparitions and tried to, to steal their souls and she was surprised that galif didn't wasn't uh you know taken uh didn't fall for the trick i guess and she tells him that he can he can go he can go um he wasn't affected by the spell she was feeling generous he can go but he's like i'm not gonna leave my friends behind and then he wins, goes around and hits every single character across the face to wake them up uh, and that's when the battle starts. And so it's, you know, four against one against the siren. The siren ha goes from being like water-based to being undead. This is a really interesting thing. Like, I know that we've had um, monsters that change types over time. But a siren being undead, it's a, it's a weird one. I wonder why the siren is undead. But it was pretty easy to, like, defeat the siren. And once she's defeated... There is like an entrance into like woods right behind her. And when you actually go in there, I believe you show up on a ship. Am I getting that right? Well, anyway, you, sh you show up somewhere, um, you know, like in the overworld, essentially. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of it. It's interesting. The story, I feel like, flows better than Cecil's story. We're finding out things... Like, I, I'm enjoying this, I think, more than Final Fantasy IV because of how cheesy that story was. But it's totally possible that this will overtake me and, and, and be the next super cheesy, weird Final Fantasy game that I play and I'm going to be rolling my eyes constantly. Uh, the fact that Lena and Ferris being sisters... And, like, I the reason I'm, like, so hesitant is because I wrote down the notes and I literally just don't remember... If they did the reveal or if I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what's going on here. But if I remember correctly, they were surprised that they were both walking toward the same person. No, they were surprised because uh, because uh, King Tycoon appeared. That's right. It's not that they were both walking toward Tycoon. It's because Tycoon appeared. I don't know. I have some of these things jumbled up. Um, and they haven't really explored it. And I feel like if they had, like, directly mentioned it. And I'm, like, logicking my way around my bad memory. 
I feel like they would have explored their relationship further. But then again, we don't explore Bart's relationship to the crystals. We don't... Nobody talks to Galef about what's been going on and about his memories, which is a little bit bizarre. But, you know, things are happening at a, at a pretty fast pace, and it's interesting. Um, what's also interesting is that, again, like, we don't know the actual um, villain of the story, right? We have the shattered uh, wind crystal. We don't know how that happened, really. We don't know who did what with it, what's going to happen to the next one, next crystal, right? It's just, um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, other than that, I wanted to talk about the art real quick. The art of this game is really, really gorgeous. I am playing the GBA version, so that does change colors a little bit. But the game feels darker than 4. Um, I want to say that it feels darker than Chrono Trigger, and that's the other game that I played that's of a similar art style. It just feels like a very... It feels like a dark, <laughs> dark Final Fantasy game. Um, more so, again, more so than the previous ones. We do have the four crystal story, and I feel like, I mean, it is early on, but I feel like we're missing so much information. We know literally nothing about Lena's kingdom, where it is, and how to get back there. We know literally nothing about Bart's, and, you know, it's, we know we don't know much about Ferris. We don't know anything about Seldra. It's, there's a lot of, like, plot lines happening all at once, and that's not a... That's not a criticism, it's just something to point out, that the the story is definitely of a different cadence than anything in the past. I also don't like, I, 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 again, I like the fact that it's not as cheesy. It's not, uh, you know, Kane trying to be heroic and, you know, Rydia splitting the, the continent in half and then, you know, her mom dies and Cecil's like, alright, well that's, that's fine, I sorry I killed your mom, let's go hang out. Like, that's not happening in this story yet, right? Like, we don't see any... We don't see anything ridiculous yet. That's, that's I think, a nice, you know, minimum what we're getting out of this, is, is that we're not seeing this ridiculousness and feels like a more coherent story. I'm wondering where it's going to go uh, from here. I'm wondering if we're going to see aliens in this one. Um, I am enjoying the, the class system so far. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, and this is actually cool, I switched around who my black and white mage were. So I had, I think I had Lena as the white mage and Galef as the black mage. And then I switched them around. And what was interesting is that I guess I had them, uh, you know, black and white mages before switch long enough that after the switch, I could still use the spell, the black and white spells. And that could just be because I had black and white spells and maybe all magicians can use those spells it's just like if it's not matching to your class, it's not as powerful. I'm not sure how that exactly works, but I had several situations where I was able to use both my black mage and my white mage to cast thunder. Um, I think that was the case in the, some of the previous ones as well. Like I'm pretty sure that some of them allowed you to cast... Uh, it was the second game that allowed you to do that, where anybody could cast a black or white spell. That's right, that was the second game. I don't think... And in the third game, in Final Fantasy three, I think you had to have a special job that allowed you to cast both. Maybe just the low-level ones are available to both classes. That's totally possible. So, I mean, most likely that is what's going on here. Um, yeah. Battles otherwise, otherwise are still as easy or as, yeah, as easy as they were before. I'm always looking forward to being in, my, in the next town, mostly because it, I get to... Uh, 
do some grinding and i enjoy doing that in in these games uh, i like to have a more so that i enjoy it is i i often find myself wanting to play some game in the evening while i'm like hanging out with my friends on voice chat and like i would do rocket league and i tried all these different games and really the most i, I enjoy the most like is is a final fantasy game where i get to level up my characters you know kind of mindlessly walking around and grinding and that makes my story playthrough not only easier but it's a very enjoyable way to pass time so hopefully i'll get to a town pretty soon for episode three and you know find a find a good grinding spot anyways thank you for listening to this episode i will have episode three out next week i guess obviously um you can follow me on twitter on twitter.com slash yaf podcast that's y-a-f-f podcast uh, leave a rating, please, on Apple Podcasts. It helps, I think, at the time of recording, there was like one. It would be great if there were two. I would highly appreciate it. Um, but that's it. See you next time.